Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. At Midway USA, we know the AR-15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages, things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com. Thanks, you guys, for tuning into the podcast today. I'm chilling at uh, Go West Taxidermy and Steamboat with Chase. And I don't know, we met a few months back, yeah. I think, when I was in here doing some photography. And it's been really cool to, like, see your, your like, taxidermist journey. Yeah, exactly. No, exactly. Because it's, it's, I don't, yeah, I don't even know how to describe it. Pretty well, much, it all tell just our listeners. So Yes. Tell our listeners a little bit about like who you are, because what I love about this is you have a day job. This is your other thing. Yeah. You don't hunt. So yes. tell us a little bit about like growing up. You said you were a hunter growing up. Yes. I, and, uh, I was a more of a waterfowl and like fowl hunter, I guess you could say like grouse type, upland bird type thing. And, uh, never really into big game just because they were, they kind of scared me to be honest with you. Like they were just so majestic to me. I was just like, I could never go shoot one or kill one. And then having to deal with it, like the, the blood and the guts and shit, like I was like, and stuff, excuse me, <laughs> was always so, I was just, it was intimidating and just kind of gross. And then I, so I was always like, but it was weird. Like with that being said, I always was interested in taxidermy. Like my dad had briefly did it when he was younger. And he actually, what is weird is he, one of the guys that my grandfather worked with, um, worked for, or was a free, was either a friend or he worked with him. I can't remember one of the two, but he through Jonas Brothers in Denver, which is like world renowned. Mm -hmm. So my dad kind of learned through him. And then that's who actually, I think who actually got taught by, I think his son just purchased Jonas Brothers mm. in Denver. So it's like, it's weird how it's like, mm -hmm. that's all kind of connected in a little way. Like my dad was never like, he never got into it like I did with this, how I am now. He just kind of did like some birds and was, was interested in it. But it was just yeah. weird how like we both had that same connection. And then mm -hmm. I, I, later in my life, got into it. And it was a serious part of my life now. So it's, uh, yeah, but uh, yeah, with that being said, like I just... It's weird. I don't hunt. I don't, I'm not into, it's not that I don't like it. I just don't like to kill things. I don't like to, mm -hmm. the, I, even though I know it's for sustenance, like that's what I, I eat beef, I eat meat. And I know that that's just part of life. It's just one of those things where like, even when I'm helping my mom who has a small processing facility kind of thing at her house, mm -hmm. I have to turn away when the cows get shot. I don't enjoy it. It's, I don't like to watch them fall and hit the ground, even though it's part of it. And then we go yeah. cut them up. Like, I just, it's still, it's just, it's a weird thing for me, but I love that the animals themselves, just like a trophy hunter does. Or you have, your connection with these animals is a lot different than a hunter's. 
Like that's what you don't have is essentially what we have, but you're that person that creates the art that's surrounding us in this room because you're like your connection with these animals is when you are sitting there and bringing them back to like this masterpiece to be yes. hung on the wall, to be hung on the mantle yes. for people to see. So yes. And with actually with you saying that, that's what really what is why I was, you know, I used to duck hunt after school and high school all the time by myself. But one day I shot one and, um, I was, what was I, where was I? It was, I was downstream, so it was floating to me. Mm-hmm. After I, so I killed it, and it, I, I thought I'd killed it. And it was floating on its back, and it got to me, and it was looking at me. And for some, yeah. for some reason, I had like just like a blank look in its eye. Like, what did you do to me? Even though I don't, I'm sure that that wasn't the case at all. But uh, that, and I know this is going to sound whatever, you know, liberal or whatever words you want to call it, Sally, girly, whatever. But uh, it just it changed me. I was like, I don't. I'm not a mountain man. Like living in a cabin. Like this isn't. Uh, I'm just. I'm not. I don't need this. Do this to survive. Yeah. So I just was like, I don't need to kill things anymore. And literally from like that moment on, I was like, that's when I was like, I just don't need to do this. There's mm-hmm. no disrespect. I don't disagree with hunters. I don't have nothing bad to say about anybody who hunts. Even if you're a trophy hunter and you strictly hunt for antlers, whatever, whatever it is, you don't even whatever, whatever. I don't have anything bad about it it's just that's that was my like literally defining moment on why yeah and then it made me see the beauty in them mm-hmm. and how they're almost irreplaceable even yeah. though they're these are herd animals a lot of them and they're we get a ton of them every year yeah. but still that's that was that was it i was just like wow i don't really like doing that mm-hmm. and that's just the thing not all humans are made to be hunters like it wouldn't be possible to be able to have management imagine if every human out there that was legal to hunt was hunting we would not have elk herds along 131. Yeah. We wouldn't have deer populations. I would have just seen like eight moose in my yeah. Montana bear hunt and hundreds and hundreds of deer and elk. We didn't see a lot of bears, but if every human hunted, it wouldn't be a possible thing. So I don't know. I wanted just to like help like bridge that gap that's between hunters and non-hunters. Yeah. And you're either a hunter or you're a non-hunter. There's no in between. Yes, there's a lot of in between, which is like yeah. with your connection, you know? So it's, re- it's a very refreshing perspective to hear. Well, and I think there's unfortunately always going to be that like misconception that hunters are all like, when you see them roll through town, they're orange and like mm-hmm. 99% of them are not evil humans. They're not who you think they are. They don't just want to slaughter things. Yeah. A lot of them, like you said earlier in our conversations were, they spent a lot of money and came thousands of miles to do this. And it's passion. Mm-hmm. Where they live, they don't have this beautiful, giant, brown animal of antlers. It yeah. doesn't live where they are. I had so clients it's... come in when I was guiding and, you know, at this convention where they bought. Yeah. Where they met the guy and booked the hunt. You know, they were promised to see, like, all these animals. Yeah. Expectations that actually wouldn't, mm-hmm. wouldn't happen. So they show up for a five-day hunt, just super stoked because, you know, they... Ready? Hi, come here. Sorry, guys, my puppy is with, so... She was just saying hi to the neighbors. Um, These clients come in, and they have such high expectations, and then they go four days without seeing an animal, and all of a sudden it's 
Drea, like I have saved up a long mm-hmm. time to come out here, you know, with gas and travel and for my out of state tag, $651 in Colorado. I'm sure it's even more in some states. Um, but they invested so much of their time, their money, family time. Like a lot of these people are fathers that are trying to like provide for their families back West. They don't have a lot of money, but they work really hard and they come out. That was another really cool part about guiding is every single hunter had a different story. Yeah. And, uh, I almost enjoyed that more than like trying to get them an animal. Yep. When it came down to getting an animal, it felt like it was pressure and it became a job. But what was cool was to like meet them on a Friday night and then you have a five day hunt and you walk away and you've got like numbers in your phone. It's like, yeah. Oh yeah, come see us in the summer. You know, I'm hopefully going to Idaho in June to, or in July to like go to a hunting camp. Obviously it's not hunting season, but it's, it's called whiskey lodge in Idaho. And I guided them for years and, like, Dre, we're going to be here in the summertime. It's going to be a work trip. We want you to come out. We're going to hang trail cameras and just, like, chill and work on the cabin. Serious? Like. But see, that's what, that's what it's, that's, hey. as I realized, like, shortly in the last few years of my life is, that's, uh, memories are mainly pretty much everything in life now. Yeah. That's, those are, that's the kind of things, like, through passion years, through guiding, you've, you've found so. A lot of cool connections, you know? Yeah. So you don't think you'll hunt ever? You'll just make them look pretty on the wall? Uh, that pro- I, have you thought about I, it at all? Or? Yeah, I have. It's, I think if I do, it's going to be with the longbow, though. That's the one thing that I want to... Like traditional? Yeah. Yeah. Like where it's... I would say primal for my words. Just you have to really get close, and any mistake you make will be noticed. And mm-hmm. they have the actual chance to be the yeah. animal to beat you. And I'm not, because the whole scope thing to me is like that's just not fair. Like that, in many senses, it has no clue you're there. And granted, that's hunting. That's in its in its entirety is also fair too, because you're using your skills to yeah. outdo it. But I just, me personally, if I'm gonna kill something in a Big game passion is going to be with the longbow, just for the sheer toughness of it. You should talk to Clint. He um is uh he just got a trad bow, and he's been actually putting out a few episodes about shooting trad. That's with a traditional. Longbow. Oh, okay. Yeah. I don't know. There's something about killing an animal with your bow and arrow. Remy, get over here. Um. The bull that I shot this year was 10 yards away. Had no idea I was there. So now that'd be wild. Yeah. Wow. One of those hunts where like working so hard throughout the month because it was like, I don't know, it was second half of season. So I put in some time. So cool to have my family there and to have, there was five of us to pack that out. We had to cross a river and it's cool to like spend it with my family out there. You know, like we're working as a team and like we've been doing this for years and it took us no time to clean up that animal. And we took everything. We had five of us and, uh, that's cool. Yeah. See, that's, that's, that's true hunting though. Like I feel like either a lot of people don't get to experience that they just cause of time and where you live, but most time you use a guide service. 
mm-hmm. that does everything for you, which isn't a bad thing. It's yeah. a, but just you don't get the true like experience of like learning life skills, so to speak, right. of how to prepare something in the bush that's mm-hmm. needs to be taken care of properly, or it will rot, or whatever, whatever it is. It's just a, that's. That's I feel it. like hunter safety should be a class that you have to take in high school. Don't uh, just to be a human, like yeah, a human right type thing. Yeah, is just to know, not yeah. anything more than to know. Same with simple gardening, mm-hmm. I guess, so to speak. Yeah. Like that, like that's another one. Yeah, mm-hmm. I agree. With that. Actual life skills, you know, is what it's going to come down to. It. And it's like with this taxidermy, I think a lot of my allure to it was is being able to like. Unfortunately, this is going to be, they'll be, these animals won't be here at some point in time, mm-hmm. no matter what, no matter how we conserve or what we think we're going to do, or there will be a time where they will die off mm-hmm. and that will be, so I'll just be a human that can reproduce them, so to speak, or right. bring them back for other mm-hmm. younger generations to at least get to touch. It may not be the living one, but yeah, at least get to touch the fur and kind of see the real form of what it used to be. My uh, friend was just telling me in Idaho that they've put a limit to over-the-counter archery tags. Before, they used to just sell them to everyone. But I think with COVID happening and all these new hunters coming in, it's really cool to see the states like actually managing the herds just because there's such a high demand. Like mm-hmm. The fact that they put a limit on the amount of tags they're selling. That's, I would love it if Colorado did that. Yeah, that's yeah exactly. <laughs> that's something, too. Like I feel bad that I'm being in this industry that I'm in with Ashley is like I'm pretty I'm pretty ignorant on numbers and laws and various things with Colorado's hunting and Mm -hmm. how just how Division Wildlife does things period yeah and so I feel like that's something I definitely educate myself on just to know because this is these animals are my future so to speak and definitely Ashley's how did you meet Ashley it was actually my um my father and my stepmother were doing CrossFit, and she does CrossFit too. And they just happened to, she, I think they, she just mentioned she did taxidermy, and then my stepmom said that I know how to do European mounts pretty well. Because mm. were you doing them before? Yeah. For other people or yeah. something? People would bring in your own mounts in too? Craig, I was doing them. I was actually, the girl I was dating, her, uh, her family had this business in Craig that doesn't. Oh, okay. So you've been exposed to it a little bit. She taught me how to do it, how to skin them, because that was one of that was again one of those things where like I didn't wasn't necessarily enjoying would enjoy touching dead animals and dead things, especially heads and skulls, and like skinning them extensively. And then one day I was just hanging out with her when uh, the fall hunting season started, and they had skulls rolling in, and they needed someone to skin them, so I skinned one, and it just naturally skinned it very well and quickly mm-hmm. and just started helping them and yeah. that's literally how I learned how to do it and then my stepmom saw met her met Ashley and told her I was good at it and did the first season and we killed it and what season was that I think it was, was that just last year it was two years ago I think okay and that's yeah so that's just that's, and it's just went on from there and then I as I started doing other things she she was showing me this little thing, how to put hides on, how to sew, how to detail. And then I tried to do one and it turned out really well. And 
just went on from there. And like just recently, I did that habit, that dual habitat right there. And yeah, that thing's sweet. That's uh, it's uh, that's one of those things where it's just like, whoa, that was mm-hmm. that was really cool to just be able to envision. And a lot of it is honestly like when growing up, I grew up in stagecoach, and on on South Shore, so I was always outside. And just I was like, just being the child I was, I always observed nature and how it was mm-hmm. and how it did its thing. The 1911 is one of the most iconic firearms in history. Designed by John Browning, the 1911 was the standard-issue sidearm of the U.S. military from 1911 to 1985. While Colt produced the original, almost every major firearm company has produced its own version. It's wildly revered for its reliability, crisp trigger, and is still a favorite for all types of shooters. Whether you're looking to buy or build a 1911 and just about everything for guns, log on to MidwayUSA.com. So it's just that stuff comes. I don't want to say easier for me, but it's just it's. I enjoy doing it, so it's not like a challenge. That's it like almost like puts you in there. You know, like looking at those deer, like you did so good. It's like they're just chilling in the sagebrush. Yeah, that's what exactly. You know? That's what I try to achieve. They're looking like, and they're like, "What are you doing over there?" Yeah, and like yeah, I don't. And that kind of comes from like too, like the little um, those little diecasts they do, like those layouts, those dioramas of the nature. Like that's same thing from that. Mm-hmm. Like that's the same. Pull the same talent from that as just seeing it. You know, it's just something I definitely got a long ways to go, but it's just, it's, I don't know, it's, it's just cool to create nature because nature's so, it's perfect. And even when it's not perfect, it's still perfect because it intended that way. It wasn't. Yeah. And if, and then that's what's too weird too with nature is it's defects get kicked out really quick and put aside because they don't help the big picture mm-hmm. and that's what it's just weird with uh, like with humans we're not that way no we try to play god in the sense i think and that's it's just interesting but and then going back to that like with the mountains like there it's weird to see like generally all the animals are kind of the same structure but each one of them is all they're all different very personable just yeah. like us humans are too you know we're not one the same at all so that and that's what's cool too is like you have to with these you Depending on how they want it, like competition-wise, that's what's weird with competitions. Is everything has to be perfect. Yeah. So like it's weird. That's what's weird with taxidermy. Is like you have what you think piece? is yeah no like no this wouldn't be because that would never never ever ever. But uh, what are you talking about? Like, you uh, know, I think it looks great. It you know, it, it truly does. But it's there. What are you comparing it to? There's just so many critiques yeah. that they do that are just you. What would you critique on that? Like, what are there some of the critiques they would do at one of those competitions? Just where, like, eyes, where they're looking at, so to speak. Like, ear, the fine ear position. Yeah. And, but that's a tough one, too. Like, and granted, I'm still very ignorant on that, too. But it's just weird with, like, competition. And I get competition wise because it's competition. Mm-hmm. So it should be perfect. Like, yeah. that's what you're striving for. Right. But with, it's just nature's not perfect. Like, there's still... Mm-hmm. Every animal, like they may look similar, but it's not. They're not going to be perfect. Each side's not going to be completely symmetrical, and just like us. Yeah. But uh, it's a. Uh, it's just yeah. It's just interesting. It's very. It's. And I think that's why I like it too. Like this is more. This is cooler because you kind of get to do put your own personal touch on it. Right. And they're still mm-hmm. appreciative of it. You're preserving them in like their final. Yeah. And you get to be that deciding factor of putting that lifetime hunt up on the wall, that the first, because yes. there's so many firsts that go through, like, 
whether it's just a little five by five, like little raghorn, people want to shoulder mount those yeah. things, you know? Well, and like, for example, we just did an antelope for a vet in town and that was so cool to do something for him. Like that's something in your life. Usually you don't get to give back to people like that, that have saved your dog's life. Yeah. Right. Or have fixed the broken leg or just mm-hmm. for your whole community. Like those are human beings that they, you don't ever get to reciprocate hardly. Yeah. And granted, he paid us for our service and everything, mm-hmm. but still, like, that's something, like, he showed us a picture of it in his son's wall, and his son has so much pride in it, and, like, that's the kind of stuff you're like, wow, that's, mm-hmm. that is why I do this. Right. And that's, like, someone going to that, like, with what I do with my electrical during the day, you don't get that with people. Mm-hmm. A, because normal human beings like you and I that have normal day jobs can't afford that kind of service most of the time, so we yeah. have to wait until it's too overdue and spend a lot of money. Or fix it herself. It's like my truck. To yeah. Get time so on. <laughs> with stuff like that, it's just like you, like with taxidermy, people appreciate it. Whether it's a guy that just kills these things and doesn't yeah. care and has all the money in the world to get whatever tag he wants, mm-hmm. he still appreciates it. Appreciates it on a different level than what I've realized, like being in trades, where it's just like, mm-hmm. why isn't my house done, or why didn't yeah. it cost this much, or yeah. whatever, whatever the squabble may be. Mm-hmm. It's just that there's a different level of appreciation. I feel like it's like a lost art form. It's just something that's not ever talked about that much, you know, but you go to like, there's been so many houses I go to. We are, we were just in Thermopolis mm-hmm. and went to this ho- hotel and you walk into this really cool, like bar open dining area and littered all over the walls are every species like fish and birds and elk and deer and moose, animals from Africa, everything, turkeys, squirrels, raccoons, yeah. Like every piece of game. And I was like, who is this guy? Like, does he, does he still live here? And they're like, yeah, he's 90 years old. He lives in Florida. I want to talk to this guy because for one human being to kill so many species was insane. And you walk like through the, uh, like through the halls and it's just photos of him. It was almost like a museum. Yeah. Just photos of him from all over, like hunting all these animals, fishing, providing and like so curious about that man <laughs> i hope he listens to this and it was like yeah. what yeah, she's talking about me but like i wanted to sit down with my gear in that dining area and just ask him like tell me about that one what about that one um, and like what's the what is his purpose yeah exactly like, like you know and in no way bagging it but it's just yeah. like what <clears throat> compels you as a man, like, as a human, to well, for some of those animals to do that, like I don't know, like you, I feel like at that point, I sure hope you're you go to Africa and you kill this animal and it goes towards the people that live there yeah. to feed them, like that. I'm all right with, but like there's got to be a purpose behind it, you know? Yeah, but. that no, exactly. That's what's mm-hmm. it's weird too, being like with uh, just with, I don't know, like not being worried about animals on the being on this planet any longer. It's just weird how conservation is now like we especially in Africa, that's the only thing that's keeping animals alive now. Is hunting them. Yeah. Like rhinos and elephants. Mm-hmm. Is cause they're those tags that you pay that absurd price for yeah. pay to keep the reserves they live on mm-hmm. going. Going. And period. And that's something yeah. like most people the average person is like doesn't agree with hunters and gets mad at that. And like that 
you don't understand that. Yeah, it's, conservation is it's we it's a problem we've created, yes. and it's now this is how it is, and this is how it's going to have to be to keep them here. Yeah, exactly. So you can't is, change it. It's not. This is the management no answer now. Yeah, it'll ebb and flow each year, obviously, with like the herd numbers, how they made it through the winter and dead kill and stuff like that. It'll ebb and flow, but like ultimately, this is how. There's so many parts of management that goes into it and to keep these animals yeah. around. Because if you go back to Teddy Roosevelt times and when all those animals got killed off and they had to start from scratch, like, I think we're doing pretty good. Yeah. But I'm really curious to see this whole wolf thing play yeah, out in a couple a, years. We're probably not going to, like, have an idea until, I don't know, another five years. But that's it would be wild yeah. to come across. Like, as a kid, I was obsessed with wolves. Oh, I, I watched videos of them and it was just like, I want to run with the wolves, you know? And I'm just like, I am waiting now. Yeah. Well, Relocating here. When I yeah. see one, when one comes in the door, I love them. I don't want to see them dead, but it's, it's, I, I don't know. It's, <coughs> I, I don't know. I, it's an interesting. I just topic. wonder like, yeah, that's all. That's all I have to say. I don't know. I have no, I'm too ignorant on it. To what would you do if you got surrounded by a pack of wolves? Uh, you know, honestly, and I'm not trying to, uh, just, if that was the way I went out, if I say it, that they did attack me or eat me or yeah. whatever it is, I'd say it's pretty noble, to be honest with you. It'd be pretty cool. Get ripped be apart by a better wolves. way than, I think I'd die, rather die that way than many other ways. Just because that's like, A, you're getting recycled into nature, and then yes. like, the wolf is like, Keystone species and that like that howl strikes fear into man, and man yeah. is the most powerful animal on the planet. And that is one of the only things where if you hear a wolf howl, they'll stop you in your tracks. Have you heard one howl before? Um, to be honest with you, I don't know. Yeah. I think I want to say I have, yeah. but I don't. I don't know. It, it could have just been a really badass coyote. I don't know, yeah. but it didn't sound like a coyote. But it wasn't. It sounded so bigger. Yeah. Yeah. So I and I can't say and I didn't. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I was in Montana a few years back and we were sitting, we were in the bottom of the valley and it was just these super steep mountains surrounding us. Very narrow valley. The sound echoes like crazy in there. It's beautiful lush forest. And we were sitting in a stand at night, like hoping maybe the elk would come out and we could get a shot. We were hunting for elk. And uh, just at dark, there was one wolf, and then there was another one on this side of the valley, and then another one back behind us. We were essentially surrounded by a pack of wolves, and they all got up for the night, and they started howling, and, like, that was a moment for me of just, like, shit, I'm out here. Like, there's no way I'm going to defend myself. Like, and it was, it was getting dark, and we're like, we should go back to the side-by-side, -side, but no, let's listen for a little bit longer. Like, we just have to make sure they're not down in the bottom of the valley floor when we decide to leave them. Because, like, it was so hard for us to go, like, back to the cabin when we could just, like, sit there and listen to the wolves howling. But very eerie. Very eerie. The got chills a couple times. And it was just a wild, wild moment. It's cool. Yeah, that's... They're different. They're just, they're not a, they're a predator that's on a different level. Especially for North America. 
She was like, we definitely have some badass predators, but mm-hmm. I feel like the mountain lion and them are the apex yeah. of what we offer. Like, don't get wrong, the grizzly bear, obviously, but that's uh, just, there's, yeah. Have you seen a cat come through here? Of quite a few, actually. Yeah. Through. A lot of them are, it seems like it's the DOW type thing, but um, there's, gotcha. there's quite a few. Honestly, that we saw this year, that they're, they're pretty big cats. Definitely make you uh, go, wow, that's, uh-huh. how can you be so silent and so stealthy? I felt them out there, it's crazy. <clears throat> well, I've heard one a few times, well, two of them, but that was another kind of like on the same level of the wolf situation, like being so close to two screaming mountain lions. This is like the first time I ventured out on like full on solo mission. Fuck! Ah! I'm getting out of here. I don't want these things surrounding me at night. I don't want to kill anything up here around these things at nighttime and I'm all by myself. I felt like the smallest. I felt like a little ant that was like, I need to get back to my tunnel. Yep. That's why I was my, the first time I saw one, I was, um, I, as I said, I grew up in South Shore in Stagecoach Reservoir. Mm. And uh, I was out shooting birds with a BB gun. And, uh, it, uh, I remember trying to shoot at one, and then I saw this like brown thing bouncing, and it kept it was like get, kept getting closer and closer, and then that's when I like realized that it was an actual mountain lion because its face like it looked like a giant house. Oh lion. yeah. And like being young, I didn't really re- like register that it was like what is that? Right. That's a giant. And then once I realized, like had the realization, oh shit, that's a mountain lion. I just ran. Oh, it was way close. How old were you? Probably five or no, I was older than that because my mom would allow me to have BB gun. So elementary school, so I'd say eight or nine. And that, like, that was when that's when I was. That's when I kind of realized what they were as creatures. And then the second time I saw one, I was in California Park with my friend. There's a cabin up there. Actually, it's a Quaker Mountain. Um, but they were I was leaving early in the morning they were hunting I had to leave to go back out to work and I actually saw one chasing a doe mm-hmm. and that was incredible to watch the doe cruise past the road over the road just one hop and the cat did the same thing mm-hmm. and she like literally like the amount of ground that the cat could make on that doe was like it was just like and it was one of those things where it literally felt like it was I was watching a movie for 20 minutes, but it was probably mm-hmm. like 45 seconds actually. And that's right. that time the, slows down. Luckily, yeah, that was like yeah. the only those are the only experiences I've had of mountain lions, but those are like that's why I respect them. That's the one animal in North North America that I'm terrified of. And always will be and always yeah. feel like one's right. gonna mm-hmm. eat me when I'm out in the woods, like that's that's it. Usually I like I don't know, I feel like they put out a certain energy and if you're in the right country and like you're seeing signs for it, there's been times where I'm like, I definitely have a cat watching me right now. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna turn around and go that way. Yeah. And then you feel it, you like walk away and you're like, okay, as long as it's not like following me, I'm cool. But it was a few years back when I was guiding at Bear Creek and one of our guides was sitting with her client on, I think it was a morning stand and it was like very uh, scrub oak country with like these open meadows and they heard the scream 
So they kind of like went over to the edge of the ridge and there was three mountain lions taken down a cow elk. And so they were just like, you know, he didn't have a tag, it wasn't seasoned. And they were taking down this elk and it was just kicking and screaming. And they look over and there's a fourth line and it's just sitting there watching them the whole time. <laughs> I was like, wow. And then they kind of ran off and then we were sitting there and we're like, what just happened? And they look over and there's another mountain line and it's back and it's close and it's just watching them. <laughs> it's yeah. like, and you know, they, they came back to camp and they did the right thing the legal thing like it's not season like you can't those animals are out there surviving just as we're trying to yeah to provide for ourselves too but crazy how that mountain lion like kept coming back and was like what are you guys doing here if you come any closer i might jump on you (laughs) in here between his food yeah that's yeah they're um Yeah, it's pouring down rain in Steamboat Springs right now, which is great. (laughs) We don't need the amount of fires that we had last year. That's kind of what I'm anxious to see what happens. Because the pushed animals around, I felt like like the end of the year wasn't as good as it usually is. Wait, what, a season? Yeah. Love last year? Yeah. Because of the fires? Yeah. And, and well, people were having to relocate yeah. and hunt country that they was new to them. And I don't know, necessarily know if animals like displaced far, but they may have just stayed in spots that they usually wouldn't be in in that time of year type deal. A few episodes back, I was talking with Randy from CPW, and this guy's just full of knowledge. He... I think his uh, his title is just like the public information guy. PR guy. <laughs> yeah. And so it was really cool. We were talking about these wildfires that we had last year. And he was talking about how they have studies of these elk because they have collars on them where those elk are living right on the fire line. Within like a few hundred yards, like they're very well aware like that they there's, know that this is there's just like, fire and it's part of life. It's fire right? and it's like a natural thing. And like, I'm all right over here because after that fire burns out and they pour some water on it, some very yeah. green grass is going to start popping up yep. and I'm going to munch on that because it makes me feel good. Yep. And I've seen actually a few photos of like big bulls from up high, like above tree line and helicopters dropping water on the fire line. That's like 200 yards from them. Yeah. We are pretty weak as humans. <laughs> oh, really? Well, I mean, definitely like that's, you're right. Cause it's fire would be nothing to them necessarily. Yeah. Just run from it. Keep running from it until it doesn't, Catch up with them. Yeah. Yeah, burn you. It's not going that fast. It's like the horror movies you see where it's like, not all, sometimes it is. Yeah, like Bambi where it's the the end and mom's going to (laughs) die. So. I also think that is going to bring in a lot of hunters this year because they are going to, and a lot of those places that burned, there's a lot of access a lot of four-wheeler trails. It's not yes. super far from like town. Um, anxious to see what this area up here in Steamboat. I haven't seen a lot moving yet on the highways either. You Wildlife? See, yeah, you usually start seeing elk and stuff. Yeah. Deer, especially getting water when it starts getting warmer. Out where I'm working, there's a lot. 
a lot of elk, a lot of deer. I was surprised to see the elk were still in there. Not a high, like, they, they've been there all winter and they're still hanging out. I'm like, oh, maybe they know this area is legit and safe because you can't hunt. Private ranch. But some monster bulls picked up a monster elk shed. Probably, maybe it's bigger than that guy on the wall. He's like this guy right up here. He was the king of the herds. And I was just driving through one day and saw his antler right on the side of the road. I was like, no way. How cool. Anyways, guys, Chase is falling asleep on me, so. Oh, you're fine. <laughs> we're going we're to hit the end record button here. I think the rain may have put him to sleep. Plus, I'm sorry, I'm just putting up boring, too. <laughs> All right, guys, thanks for tuning in. We'll catch you later. Brave anglers search for the one they call king, but who will take his throne? Tune in to Waypoint TV's Battle for Silver, Saturday, May 18th from 12 to 6 p.m. Eastern, presented by Abyss Battery, Waypoint TV.